everybody, and welcome to What's the Problem, the podcast where we dive deep into pressing issues facing cyber and data security leaders today. In each episode, we are joined by guest experts who share their insights and their experience in the world of cyber and data security. So whether you're a seasoned veteran or a new leader in the field, this podcast provides some valuable info, some strategies, some takeaways to get your organization to the next level. So join us as we explore the changing landscape of cyber and data security and discover new ways to tackle problems or issues in the field. This is What's the Problem? I am your host, Mike Krass. Let's get started. Today, we are joined by Andres Andrew. Andres, say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Now, Andres, tell our listeners who don't know you like I do, why are you qualified to talk about security? So I've been in this space since 1992. I have worked in federal law enforcement here in the US. I've worked globally in the private sector, consulted. Relative to this conversation, I think the interesting part is I left the corporate world in 2012 and I was employee number three at a startup where we invented three cybersecurity products and took that all the way to an acquisition by a larger company. And so I've lived and currently live on the corporate side or the purchasing side in respect to cybersecurity products. But I also lived on the product side, which I think gives me an interesting perspective. Yeah. So let's let's dive into that perspective. The topic that you and I kept talking about, Andres, is as you speak with cybersecurity founders, there seems to be, in, in your words, paraphrasing you, there seems to be this hard time dealing with the fact that no matter how strong their product might be, it's not a case of build the best product and everyone will come to you. You know, They'll just divest from their current investments in other cybersecurity vendors and come to you. Um, there's, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk to you about. So, you know, what are those challenges that they most often don't see? Like, could you give a couple examples of those that, that you are able to share that experience uh, with them? There's a reality to the purchasing life cycle of products on the corporate side, for instance, and you could have the greatest product on the planet. But I, if I already have one that covers the functional areas that you're coming to the table with, and I'm on a five-year depreciation cycle or something of that sort, it is not easy to uproot an existing product, not from a finance perspective, not from a legal perspective, not from a privacy perspective. And so I think if founders understand the complexity of R, the purchaser's side of things, it may give them an interesting perspective in terms of the path that they try to pave towards selling us a product. If you, if you really step back and think about it, a seamless integration is probably you know, nirvana, right, of selling a cybersecurity product. Right. But seamless integrations today, given the saturation of the market with you know, so many vendors, it's kind of hard to find. Yeah. And I know we see in our work, you know, if you're trying to introduce a point solution, uh, you just talked about the inter the integrations. Um, that seems to be a challenge too. Like, hey, we've we've got the strongest point solution for this exact thing, and, and it seems like the question that a lot of buyers come back with is, "That's great. 
how is this going to integrate with everything else I've invested in and stood up? Is that something that you see in your, your work day to day? Oh, absolutely. Um, the last thing I need is a 15th dashboard to go look at, irrespective <laughs> of how great your product is, right? And so if you, if you think, because you touched upon a, a key word, in my opinion, if you think in terms of solutions, not point solutions, but solutions, it's a different mindset, right? If you think in terms of, for instance, rolling up data points from N point solutions up to one dashboard that someone like me can look at before I go talk to a board or to the C-suite, that's very useful. But I, I find very few products actually come to the table with that mode of operation in mind, right? They just kind of come with their little enclave, right? Their little silo and say, hey, here's this great product. And you sit there, you're like, you know, I'm trying to simplify my ecosystem. The last thing I need is a new product, right? I'm trying to get rid of products. Well, and you touched on something there as well, of this story of from a vendor coming to somebody like you, Andres, they've got this outside in story, right? Like here's, here's what we're doing here. What I just heard you say indirectly is, well, actually I'm looking from the inside out, right? Like I've got to, I've got to look that way. Can, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that from a chief information security officer standpoint? Yeah, one of the toughest things when you start in a new role is taking an objective and an honest look at the products that have been deployed and whether you're, one, using them properly, and two, whether you really need them or not. I mean, just because a product's been here for three years, for instance, you know, are we using it properly? Do we really need this? And I think a lot of my peers, I mean, I can tell you from conversations with them, a lot of my peers and myself look in terms of or rather look at the ecosystem in terms of what can I get rid of to simplify my world? I don't need five products telling me the same thing. I really don't. And the funny thing is, if you point the five products at the same problem, you'll get five different sets of results. So you're going to have to just pick one and say, this is what I'm <laughs> going to live with. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's a challenge. And I think it's a, it's a tough one because it's easier to come into an environment and say, I don't want to rock the boat. I'll just leave everything you know, that's there now, I'll leave it in place. And, mm. you know, our job is to ask the tough questions and face the, the tough situations. And so cleaning up an environment from a product perspective is, it's just part of the, the job. So you're talking about, you know, you've got five, five products are trying to simplify, you know, might have to just pick one and go. How does, as you're evaluating, how critical, or not critical, let me rephrase that. How important is it for you to see, like your own eyes, their product roadmap for the future, right? Is that something that you often ask for where you say, you know, pull up your screen right now and you, you better bring someone to this meeting who can show me the product roadmap. Don't tell me that they're not available. You book me when they're available. No, I, I don't do it often. I do it 100% of the time. I, I am, I'm a very difficult customer to sell to because I know all the corners these companies cut. I lived it. And, and the other thing, by the way, you, you, you just touched on something really funny to me because when it comes to the product roadmap, either you have it or you don't. Don't tell me you're going to go get it and come back to me in a week because that means you don't have it. You're going to go make it up and come back to me with something in a week. I've been around too long. I, I know better than that. If you come to sell me something, you better have that roadmap ready to share on your screen right now. And if you tell me something verbally that is not matched by what's on that roadmap, we're done. Because trust and honesty in this industry is of paramount importance. I, I value that 
I value my relationships with good salespeople more than I value the products they bring to the table. Mm. You, you, a couple words there, trust and honesty. It reminds me of, I forget who was originally attributed with this quote, but it goes something like, you know, character can't be learned. You either have it or you don't. Um, and character, right, having integrity. Oh, there we go. So I just gave you a little plug. <laughs> That was a leading question, Andres. Uh, <laughs> you're you're testing me to see if I remember what I say. I like it. Yeah, this is this is a memory check. We're going to see how you're doing over there. <laughs> uh, but it comes back to you know telling the truth and being honest and direct at all times. Um, I can do this here. I'm going to show you what this what this is going to look like and when it's going to happen. Um, at least on the roadmap, uh, I'm sure that you probably give a little bit of leeway on roadmap for timing. Is that correct? Of like, if they said it's going to happen in May and it's June, it's, you know, you're not going to grill them on dates. Of course. Of course. Uh, look, yeah. the, it's more of a temperature check for that honesty factor. Right. And mm -hmm. I would much rather you sit there and give me a, a negative answer, meaning, no, we don't do that. And no, it's not on my roadmap, but I can take it back to my people and discuss putting it on the roadmap. That's entirely fine. You just told me, you gave me an honest answer to a challenge that I posed to you, that there's nothing wrong with that. But the worst is when you try to give me some, you know, non-truthful information to make me feel better about considering your product. That, that's death in terms of the relationship. Hmm. You, as you mentioned your experience earlier in this episode, you skipped over the fact that you have actually written a book and gone on a global book tour uh, after publishing that book. So i um, giving you a little bit more airtime there. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what that book, what, what was the subject matter? And also what was that, what was that experience like touring on that book tour? Like, So my book was on pen testing for web applications, but let me qualify that. That book was written at a time when not everyone and their grandmother was a pen tester. There were only a few of us in the industry that were actually doing pen testing as an actual function. Uh, funny story, when I wrote the book, the editor, she, she calls me and she says, let's discuss the title. It should say pen testing. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> she said, that's what you do. Because <laughs> to us, it was just security testing, right? It's, you know, I came from the government world where you security tested everything. Right. And so the concept of penetration testing to us by name was a physical penetration of a facility. So I never thought in terms of applying that title, mm. that pen test. That's your law title. enforcement background right there, huh? Yeah. And so I never put one and one together, but the industry had adopted the term. And so when she brought that to my attention, I was, I, I kind of chuckled and I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I was legitimately pen testing applications before it was a thing, right? A lot of developers that I worked with back in the mid 2000s, when I would bring my findings to them, it, it, the, the reactions were funny because they would look at me and go, who's going to do that? And you're like, a bad guy, right? Like <laughs> a nefarious entity. Like, are you kidding? But developers don't think like that. That mindset doesn't, it's still till today. It just, it's not prevalent within the software engineering mindset. Um, hence a lot of the security problems we have. You know, coming back, I think this is probably a good last question to end on. I'd like to revisit that outside in versus inside out conversation we just had a moment ago. 
how how can you as a as a cybersecurity founder how can you tell a stronger inside out story like what what do you here's probably the question what do you need to know what do you need to be equipped with to tell that story accurately so i think the first thing is understanding the challenges that we're up against on the corporate side on the purchasing side right like for instance the the uprooting of existing products is probably the biggest one the integration within a, a larger ecosystem or a larger solution is is an absolute must the third point going back to the saturation of the market is understanding that the the modern day sales cycle is way longer than what it used to be right when there was one sim vendor on the market the sales cycle was pretty short you didn't really have to go compare right do a product comparison or anything of the sort yeah. how long was it when there was one sim vendor like do you remember Roughly, I, I, we would do two week POCs, and if everything worked, it, the purchase was done. I remember those days. Hmm. Now you end up in a 30 day POC with like three products, and then you have to do an analysis of all three to see which one checks off all the boxes that you're interested in, which is the best value. You know, there, there's a reality to that. And another thing that I think a lot of modern day founders should be aware of is that certain things are now frowned upon. So, for example, hmm. Seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, you could sell a product and say, hey, this product will require that your people come to whatever, a week of training. And that was acceptable back then. That is no longer acceptable. If you require my folks to get trained on your product, I'm looking for something easier to use. I don't have enough staff to lose a whole week getting trained yeah. on a product, right? So that's just understanding our realities, I, I think, would go a long way. Yeah, and just kind of summarizing those, you know, tell me if I got this right for the listeners as as kind of that takeaway to tell this inside out story um, accurately. You're talking about longer sales cycles driven by longer POC cycles with multiple vendors, which are followed by those those cycles are followed by an analysis of which one actually checked the boxes, right? Which one is the mm -hmm. best for our organization? So it's it's no longer two weeks. And as long as the, the rack didn't catch on fire, it's like, yeah, we'll go with you. That sounds great. <laughs> it's 30 <laughs> right. days. And then a review period after that, followed by then a second, basically it's the same decision, but it's a second time of, okay, this is who we're actually going to go with in the long run. And it, in terms of onboarding and bringing this into your company, I'm not sending people to your Scottsdale, Arizona office to do an afternoon of golf and four days of intensive training. If, if it takes four days of intensive training uh, on site, that's not a product that I can literally afford to purchase. With the team that I have today, I can't afford to just send them away to do this one thing, right? That's, that, that was kind of the thing you didn't finish with, but, but that's what I heard you say, like, to do this one thing, I can't afford that. I'm sorry, that, that's out of the question. Yeah, so that's one of the elements that we actually implement in our analysis, our product comparison, rather, um, mm. so that we can analyze that as part of the overall equation in terms of making a decision. And I guess the obvious question, my, my journalism background would slap me for not asking this one first. Have you recently been asked to send your staff on site for training or, is, or are you speaking yeah. like this happened in the past? No, no, no. This literally happened last week. We, we're, oh. at a lot, we're down to two products in an analysis. And one of the differentiating factors, because feature by feature, they were almost identical. One of the differentiating factors was ease of use. And the product that ended up on the lower end of things, you know, it's a very robust product. 
but it required people to get trained. Their competitor did not. There's just a reality to that. Yeah. Well, Andres, this has been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And for our listeners, you know, that is a wrap for this episode of What's the Problem? We hope you found that our conversation with Andres to be insightful, to be informative. Hope that there are some key takeaways for you there to bring back to your organization. Uh, remember to tune in next time for more discussions on cyber and data security. And I also want to give a quick shout out to our host, MKG Marketing. MKG is focused on helping cybersecurity companies get found, drive leads, and close deals. So if your cybersecurity firm is struggling to generate leads or close deals, let us help you. You can learn more on our website, mkgmarketinginc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating for the podcast. I've heard that Andres only likes five stars, so don't let him down, people. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your support. And until next time, our friends, we'll see you later. Andres, say goodbye to everybody. Thank you. This was great. Appreciate it.